Good morning. Welcome back. In yesterday's devotional, I argued that there is a parallel between the work Paul describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5-9, through and the work we do here at Geneva. We, like Paul and Apollos, tend to the garden God has placed us in, planting and watering, and praying that God will cause growth amongst our students and within our community. Today, Paul will argue the same thing, but he will employ a different metaphor to make his point. In the passage we will examine today, Paul will use a building metaphor to describe the work of those employed in building on the gospel foundation erected by Paul and the rest of the apostles. If you have been at Geneva long, you have heard Mr. Shelton remind us that we are not the church, but a discipling arm of the church. We have not been called to preach or administer the sacraments or exercise church discipline, but we have been called to teach with the aim of helping our students become disciples of Jesus Christ, who are able to leave here and lead for Christ's cause in the world. We are not the church, but the work we do is directly related to Christ's kingdom. With that in mind, listen as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10-15. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds on it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Paul begins by talking about his own work. He says that he laid a foundation. In verse 11, he tells us that the foundation he laid was Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6 helps expand our understanding of this foundation, saying it includes repentance, faith, teachings about baptism, prayer and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Paul is not the only one who contributed to the building of the foundation. In Ephesians 2.20, Paul talks about the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. So this foundation has a local expression— Paul planted the church in Corinth and laid the foundation of Christ there. But there is a universal sense as well. All the church of Christ is built on the same foundation, which is Christ himself. Paul did this, he says, as a skilled master builder. Paul is not patting himself on the back or taking credit, since he did this according to the grace of God given to him. But he once had understood that there was nothing haphazard in the work that he did. The foundation of the church, which is the people of God, is exactly as it should be. But laying the foundation isn't the totality of building a house or a temple. Something needs to go on top of the foundation. To that end, Paul says that someone else is building on it. Paul is not limiting this building to the first century and men like Apollos. This building project will continue until the day of judgment. That leads then to the general command Paul will issue at the end of verse 10. He says, 
Let each one take care how he builds on it. I believe that this command is directed at all believers. We have been made part of God's building project in the world. We are both part of the building, but we are also carpenters who contribute to the ongoing construction of the building. God's work in the world is not finished, and until he comes again, we as his people are participating in the work that he is doing. I think it is important to say that just as God caused the growth of his garden, what we looked at yesterday, God will ensure that this building is structurally sound. This means that there isn't anything we can do to mess it up. That doesn't mean our work is insignificant. Our contribution to God's building project will be judged, and if it is found wanting, it will be removed. Everything we do is to be done to the glory of God, which means that every aspect of our life is part of our calling to build on the foundation Paul is describing. So we can ask, will my witness to the world contribute positively or negatively to this building? Will my family life contribute positively or negatively? Will my work contribute positively or negatively? I won't continue, but hopefully you are able to see that every part of your life is contributing to this building. That is because you belong to Christ. You are part of what has been built on this building, and you are a part of continuing to build. Paul moves then beyond this general command to some very specific ideas related to this building project we as the people of God are engaged in. The first specific idea Paul puts forward is that no one can lay a foundation other than Christ. For the people of God, what does this mean? It means we must diligently hold fast to the gospel we received from God's word. This doesn't mean that every decision the church has made throughout history is right, but it does mean that we must not allow cultural trends to supersede historic Christian orthodoxy. It also means that as believers, we don't have side projects that we're working on. All we do in this life is now part of building building on the foundation, which is Christ. Paul will make it clear in the next few verses that we may build well or poorly, but we are building on that foundation nonetheless. Paul goes on to say that there are two ways to build on the foundation. One way consists of building with gold, silver, and precious stones. The other is to build with wood, hay, and straw. Paul does not go into detail or give examples of what exactly he means. I think that's part of the reason is that he didn't want people to be motivated to do a certain thing in order to get a reward. Because in doing something, even a good thing for the sake of the reward, would be to lose the reward because of impure motives. Given what Paul has talked about so far, I think we can conclude that building with gold, silver, and precious stones is related to using godly wisdom or the mind of Christ in driving our decisions about how we will live, and it includes doing all things for the glory of Christ. Jesus says we need to seek first his kingdom and righteousness. 
This means that we must pursue the truth as revealed in God's word and live in a way that is consistent with what God has revealed. Paul then indicates that the work we do in this life will be judged by fire. The works we did in godly wisdom for the glory of Christ will remain, while those done for other reasons will be destroyed. The works that remain will probably be the very thing the world disregards and dismisses. But God sees, knows, and will reward his people. You've certainly heard the old adage, you can't take it with you, or you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. That sentiment, however, is not entirely true. It is true that we cannot take our worldly possessions with us. But Paul says that some of our works withstand the judgment and survive into eternity. Let that sink in for a minute. I don't know how to quantify this, but Paul says there are some things we will take with us. Today, as you go to work seeking to instill in your students a love for what is good, true, and beautiful, so that they use the mind of Christ and live a life of faith, hope, and love. Know that you are doing a good work. The world might not recognize it, but if you are building on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, God sees and will not only reward you, but you can know that those works don't cease to exist once the school day is over. They will survive into eternity. But those other works won't survive. These are the works done in the wisdom of man or for our own glory. Even so-called righteous deeds done to receive the praise of others won't survive. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So today, work to the best of your ability, walk in God's wisdom even though the world thinks it's foolish, live so that God is glorified in and through you, and take comfort in knowing that even the labor you do in obscurity, nothing escapes the sight of God, and he is faithful to reward his people. This week, the GCL committee has asked that we pray for the following staff and teachers, Jennifer Brunsvold, Chelsea Jacobson, Marty Morris, Nancy Domke, and Tanya Mowry. So join me now as we pray. Father, those uh, names that we just mentioned, we lay them before you. We pray that you would give them strength in their work, that they would work in godly wisdom for your glory, knowing, uh, one, that it's a good thing, but two, you are faithful to reward your people. Help them to entrust themselves fully to you and that you might be glorified in and through them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.